Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, my dear brothers, sisters, friends, and the foes out there, and welcome to another episode of the Blood Brothers Podcast with your host, Didi Hussain. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to remind all the avid podcast listeners that you can find this show all three seasons on all the major audio platforms. And if you're tuning in via YouTube, remember to click subscribe to the Five Pillars YouTube channel. Today's guest is someone who has been invited before, someone who I've been looking forward to hosting for some time. Um, he doesn't really need an introduction, and that's none other than our brother Imran bin Mansour, aka that old man. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi Imran, how are you, my brother? Good, I'm good. I killed off that old man, by the way. You killed that off? <laughs> yeah, I killed off that old man. When did you kill that off? It's been about two years, but officially I put it out, I think maybe about six, seven months ago. Okay, alhamdulillah. Yeah. At least you didn't say five years ago. I would have been like, bro. <laughs> what was the reason for dropping it? In a nutshell. Um. It was, I mean, even the way I came up with the name was something that was pretty juvenile. Okay. I used to love superheroes. I was into so comics. Down my Superman. So I always wanted to be like someone. I love Batman because he never had no superpowers, but he was just smart, intelligent, rich, strong. So I said, you know, we've got the Quran. We've got, you know, we've got dua. Okay. We've got these things so we can help people from the hellfire and save them. So outlived it. Khair. No yeah. problem. Um, you reached out to me today. I did, yeah. And uh, however, I've invited you on before. Mm-hmm. 2020, 2021. Mm-hmm. And uh, whenever... It's interesting because I never reach out to people. Yeah? I, I never I, I never put myself forward to be like, yo, I can podcasting. No, this is true. And I know that because if, if you if you Google your name, yeah. that you won't see yourself in other platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 2020, when we spoke, mm-hmm. you cited your reasons. It was mm-hmm. to do with hosting drill artists at the time. Mm-hmm. I understood those reasons. And we've always had a brotherly relationship in that regard. Mm-hmm. We've been, would you say we've been quite transparent over the years? When yeah, we've known each other? I've always been. Alhamdulillah. Always, yeah. And then the second time you cited the, the more kind of like, look, don't want to muddy the waters. Mm. You have a diversity of guests mm-hmm. and not necessarily want to endorse that kind of thing. Absolutely. right? But I woke up to a message from you today. Mm-hmm. So what's different today or now? So the reason why today is different um, is that we obviously are seeing what's happening with our brothers and sisters in Palestine. We're seeing the, uh, the massacre that's taking place. And um, look, without beating around the bush, we obviously have certain things that we differ with each other on. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Um, but the differences within the religion of Allah, they all have a ways, way for it to be dealt with. There are some differences that are unacceptable. There are some differences that are unacceptable in certain circumstances. But we can have a concession when the circumstances call mm-hmm. for us to put those differences to a side to focus. And war is one of those. One of the best examples that can be cited is the example of Salahuddin al-Ayubi rahimahullah ta'ala and uh, Ibn Qudam al-Maqdisi. Ibn Qudam al-Maqdisi is known to be an uh, imam of uh, the hadith and sunnah and yeah. adherence to the manhaj of the Salaf al-Salih where uh, Salahuddin al-Ayubi was known to be one that was um, used to attribute himself to the Ash'ari yes. school of thought and the Ash'ari aqid and creed. Yet Ibn Qudam fought under his army because the situation now is that we're fighting what they, what, what their circumstances was that they're fighting against the enemy of Allah Jerusalem has been occupied by and kuffar, by kuffar yeah. and they're spitting the, the blood of innocent Muslims. So now there's no, there's, there's, there's no point us going back and forth. Like we have to defend ourselves to push away the enemy. Otherwise we're all going to be dead. 
Otherwise, we're all going to be dead. So this is one of those circumstances, one of those situations, right? Where um, that brother Muhammad hijab, and he knows very well the differences I have with him. And the people know publicly the differences that we have with each other. Yeah, when he, when I found out he was going to the Piers Morgan show, I sent him a message on WhatsApp. I made dua from him. I said, Allah, may Allah, may Allah keep you sincere. Amen. And I said, may Allah, you know, allow you to rely upon him and not on yourself and go out there and, you know, put the haqq on your tongue. And then after he did it, I thanked him and I appreciated it. Because we need people, not just like this, this, this problem, it requires a multifaceted approach to be able mm -hmm. to deal with it. One of them is the media element. Does that make sense? So, mashallah, the brother is good. He's good at handling these situations. He's more eloquent than me when it comes to talking to these type of people. So why would I now have a sour taste in my mouth when we all see Palestine is burning? We all see Masjid Al-Aqsa has been occupied by these, by these kuffar, by these, by these thieves. Do you understand? So it doesn't make sense now where it's kicking off. And we want the Muslims to have victory, but we now mm -hmm. don't momentarily for the greater objective put aside our differences to focus on this and this by the way is something that scholars the sunnah of always, always even Basil mentioned this there was a issue that happened back in Syria back in his time he mentioned the brothers who were involved that were being oppressed that were defending themselves fighting back they were not from this they didn't have the the the, the cleanest most you know correct aqidah but they were Muslims because mm -hmm. now it doesn't make sense for us to stab them in the back because there's Muslims, we have differences, but there's kuffar and there's Muslims. And that's a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. It's my Muslim brother at the end of the day. He's got rights on me. He's got rights over me. So that's what it comes down to, really. So I would regard that as an exception to the rule, would you say? Not necessarily because, well, it depends how you look at it, right? You see, in the deen, there's ahkam, there's rulings. And this one of the things that's so beautiful about the deen is a very pragmatic religion. Mm. And we know shirk is not allowed. Absolutely. Shirk of the heart, shirk of the tongue, shirk of the limbs is not allowed. I cannot bow down to an idol. Of a, uh, I cannot bow down to anyone besides Allah. But now we know if a person has a gun to his head, he can make sujood out of duress. So, Does that make sense? Absolutely. He can make sujood out of duress. So from one angle, you can say, yeah, it's an exception, mm. uh, of course. But I like to look at it from the Sharia has objectives. From the objective of the Sharia is to protect your deen. Another objective of the Sharia is to protect your life, to protect your soul. Mm -hmm. So, okay, cool. Now we see the Muslims' blood being spilt left, right, center. On an industrial scale, uh, uh, 11,000. 11, and it's, and it's and probably more than that because yeah. under the rubble, the bodies have already started to decay, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only knows how many it is, right? So now the situation has called for, because instead of looking at individual rulings of this and that, look at the objectives. We as Muslims have to protect our deen. And we as Muslims have to protect each other. We have to protect our, 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 our Muslim brothers and our Muslim sisters. That's why a man, we know alcohol is haram, but on a desert, when a person is dying of thirst, he's allowed to drink alcohol, the scholars mentioned, because his life is more sacred. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. But you only, that doesn't mean now, necessarily that when Allah gives victory to our brothers and sisters and liberates, uh, them from this enemy. I mean, does it mean that necessarily you're going to see us holding hands and you know dancing just, together? But which I would love to, not the dancing, but obviously now, you know, what I'm saying that we can go back to talking about okay. what we need to talk about. But if Allah gave victory when we came under one umbrella mm -hmm. for that cause, mm -hmm. if we were to resume as it was before, mm -hmm. isn't that a bit of a testimony that perhaps 
victory and an element of victory mm -hmm. requires the ranks of the believers to be together. A hundred percent, without a shadow of a doubt. But what, like, and for example, just just to mention, when Allah Ibn Qayyim mentions there's two ayat in Surah Al-Anfal. He said these are the, these are these are the the dome of victory when it comes to jihad. When it comes to Allah Azza giving victory to the believers, Allah said, He said, Number one, Ya Yuladina Amanu, Ida Dakitum Fiatan Fatbutu. Oh, you who believe if you meet the enemy, be firm. Wathkurullah Kathira Allakum Tuflihun. And do a lot of dhikr. Remember Allah a lot so that you can be successful. So dhikr is something that brings about success. Wa ati Allah and obey Allah and obey the Messenger. And do not dispute and do not argue. And do not what? Don't fight amongst, don't fight amongst, amongst yourself. yourself. Because your strength will go. And then Allah mentions he's with and be patient. So point B being here is that definite unity. If we can be united as an ummah, not just unity on its own, with the obedience of Allah and the Messiah, being firm, doing dhikr and sabr. Because what point is there if we're going to be united and we're not what? Doing we're not patient. Yeah. We're not so so if, if the unity can come, oh bro, we're a we're an unmovable force with Allah's permission. The issue here, Akhi, is that those differences is what divides us in the first place. We'll get to that later on in the podcast. And we will. Yeah. Um you messaged me in response to a story you saw on my WhatsApp. I did, yeah. It was a fatwa that was released yesterday mm -hmm. by the International Union of Muslim Scholars, mm -hmm. uh, whereby, paraphrase, they said that it is an Islamic obligation, mm -hmm. as per the Sharia, mm -hmm. for the neighboring Muslim Arab governments mm -hmm. to militarily intervene mm -hmm. to rescue the Palestinians, who they refer to as their brethren. Mm -hmm. Specifically, the ulama, they highlighted four countries, Egypt, mm -hmm. Jordan, Lebanon, Syria. Mm -hmm. What made you message me in response to seeing that post of mine? Mm -hmm. So I'm not familiar with this council or the mashaykh that are there. I'm not. I'm not familiar with them in any way, shape, or form. Prominent, prominent Sunni mixed bunch. Okay, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Reason is because the issue of uh, de defensive jihad is something that I've been researching quite a bit. I'm, I meant to you earlier. I'm not a politician. I'm not an activist. I'm not a journalist. But what I am is an inspiring student of knowledge. I like to study the deen of Allah just so I can navigate myself, my family, my community mm -hmm. with regards to the Quran and the Sunnah. So when this situation obviously comes off, our religion has many, everyone's looking for the solution, right? What's the solution? So some people mention we need to call for a ceasefire. Some people mention we need to protest as a means. Some people signing petitions, spreading the word, whatever. Some people call for, for a resistance, right? Supporting a resistant movement, mm -hmm. what you would call a, you know, a defensive jihad. Point being is that upon studying, upon looking at the mas'ala, I wanted to explore the issue of defensive jihad. Like, what does the deen say about this? We hear this term Palestinian resistance a lot. Like, what does that mean? Self-defense. That's what it is, right? From, a, from an international law point of view, if we start from Protocol 1, mm -hmm. of the first protocol of the 1949 uh, UN Geneva Convention, mm -hmm. gives the right for occupied people mm -hmm. to resist uh, invasion mm -hmm. and occupation. Yeah, 100%. And there's many other international laws i do that because we mm. know in application it differs yeah. we know in application there's an element of hypocrisy 100%. I, I said that as a legal disclaimer because you don't want enemies and people are going to go through this podcast mm -hmm. to pick out sound bites to then class with later they're going to do it anyway they're going to do that anyway. Do it anyway that's fine but we just put that there that yeah. under international law yeah. palestinians and any other occupied people that includes our brothers and sisters in kashmir and mm -hmm. elsewhere have the inalienable right to defend themselves against foreign of, uh, occupation 100%. and just also just to mention we're not talking in support advocacy of any groups. We're talking, I'm talking about this from the angle of Islamic scholarship. What yep. Islamic scholarship has to say, because it's a point of consensus, by the of way. Of course. Uh, what Islamic scholarship has to say about the notion of 
resistance or the self-defense or, or defensive jihad so the, the the religion really really focuses on self-defense we know that a person who dies protecting his wealth protecting his property Shaheed yeah he dies as a martyr yeah right he dies as a martyr protecting just his property and his wealth now what if your lands are being invaded what if your people are being your blood is being spilled on mass right then of course you have the right to defend yourself so this issue that i've been studying quite a lot i've been planning i've been putting together a research to um explain this because i feel like no one's really addressing the point of the defensive jihad no one's actually talking about it in a way um that does justice to the topic to be honest it's not even being spoken about it kind of frustrates me like um we're talking about protesting we're talking about you know political intervention diplomacy we're talking about a bunch of things and some of those things are, are good for example charity sadaqah and some of those things I, I, you know, I, I, I don't think are, are beneficial for the Muslims, which we can talk about later. Perhaps do you, like do, protesting. Do, do you make a distinction between West and Muslim world in terms of things that kind of bear some fruition and where some things are pointless or problematic? Do you make a distinction between? I Muslim think you're alluding to protesting, right? Protesting, so, so boycotts, protesting, and boycotts. I, I, no, boycotting is good. No problem, inshallah. I've, I, 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 we, we can discuss these things in in, in greater detail, inshallah, as as, as as we progress. Yeah, as we progress. But the the point is that, Akhi, look. Jihad, defensive jihad, jihad al-dafa, is not like offensive jihad in the sense where this is a situation of necessity and there is unanimous consensus um, amongst the scholars that this is not something that you know anyone has to seek permission for. If the enemy is coming knocking on my door, he's about to shoot me. I don't have to, uh, a person doesn't have to ask his parents. You know, offensive jihad requires a person to be able to seek permission from his parents, a slave to receive permission from his, from his, from from his master. A woman doesn't participate in that type of jihad. Mm -hmm. Whereas in a defensive jihad, even a lot of the ulama of the Hanafi madhab they mention, a woman doesn't have to seek permission from her husband. This now is like fasting. The obligation falls on every single individual. So it's fard al ain. Fard al ain, and it encompasses everyone in that land and in that locality. What's locality? As in the place that's been inflicted. So let's but look then, at but then, mm -hmm. if they are not able to defend themselves adequately, then it extends to those that neighbor them and those that are closest to them. And if they are not able to suffice them from their oppression, then it will extend and it will extend, and it could encompass the entirety of the ummah if no one goes and supports those Muslims. That's pretty brazy. In the, in, uh, this is consensus, by no, the way. No, no, this, is, this, is, this is not, this is as in all four schools of thoughts. No, it, I quote Ibn Taymi, Ibn Qayyim, Qurtubi, Rahmallah Ta'ala. If you look up the tafsir of the, tafsir of the ayah, infiru khifafan, I'm not even questioning question the consensus. Yeah. I'm concerned about that, how that would apply in today's world. Yeah. So, let's, let's, so let's let's move with this, right? Mm -hmm. So the immediate place of conflict is Gaza mm -hmm. and the occupied West Bank. Mm -hmm. If we branch out a bit more, and we can, if, and if we're going to compare like for like, mm -hmm. whether that's militarily, mm -hmm. um, the funds available to mm -hmm. resist, versus the occupying Zionist entity mm -hmm. it's incomparable uh, Israel has the most sophisticated uh, military technology in the world mm -hmm. so when we talk about ability we know that the resistance hasn't got the adequate means would you agree in terms of in terms of the 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 physical world the means and yes. yeah yeah yes, so yes the, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. exclusively oh, they've got planes these guys don't have planes yes, absolutely yeah, yeah. um so if we now move branch out mm -hmm. these ulama who issued this fatwa mm -hmm. they put it on those four countries mm -hmm. so if i can just quickly touch upon some of these things right egypt has one of the uh, largest standing armies mm -hmm. uh, one of the largest um, military budgets mm -hmm. uh, but very much relying on american military aid as well mm -hmm. Syria, well, 
we've seen what the situation of Syria mm. has been. Um, 80 or 90% of it's under Bashar's control. Mm. They're aligned to Iran. Um, Jordan mm. um, hosts US military bases. Mm-hmm. Um, Lebanon uh, is barely got a functioning government and Hezbollah are doing what they're doing. So in terms of ability, mm. is this towards armies or laity? The obligation of jihad Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, infiru khifafan wa thiqalan wajahidu fi sabirillahi bi amwalikum wa anfusikum. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, go out in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And again, like I said, I'm just quoting the Quran here. I'm not talking to you about my personal opinions. I'm talking about Islamic scholarship. I'm just going to quote scholars and tell you what they've said about this particular issue. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, go out. Infiru khifafan wa thiqalan. Now these two words the scholars gave many different tafsir and they all apply mm-hmm. whether you're young whether you're old whether you're a slave whether you're not a slave whether it's difficult whether it's not they mention imam nawi rahmallahu ta'ala mentions that this the 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 the, the, the eye is indicating everyone it's indicating everyone that is able to do whatever they can do within their means okay there's something where you don't look at this guys all this guy's young okay the enemy is at your door and they are going to blow your brains out. You have no choice. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason why it falls on the neighboring Muslims around, because one might say, well, it's got nothing to do with it, it's not my country. Well, we're obligated to support one another by virtue of our Iman. We are, we are believers. We are, we, are, we, we, we are brothers. The believers are brothers. The Prophet mentioned that you are like one body. If one part of the body feels pain, the whole part of the body feels pain. And even if you don't look at it from that perspective, okay, you're next. <laughs> and those four con- and those said countries have got a historical precedence of fighting as well mm-hmm. uh, in the region, f- albeit perhaps not for an Islamic cause. Mm-hmm. Or some would argue absolutely mm-hmm. not for an Islamic cause. They fought for Arab socialism mm-hmm. and so forth. But there is a precedence that Egypt, <coughs> Jordan, Lebanon, Syria have fought Israel mm-hmm. at the behest mm-hmm. of Palestine or whatever their self-interests were. If we were to now apply that ruling mm-hmm. there to laity and whoever's able to do so mm-hmm. and apply it practically to what that means, mm-hmm. we saw when the Al-Ahli hospital was bombed mm-hmm. and 500 people were killed, mm-hmm. right? Um, people in Lebanon, Muslims in Lebanon, in Iraq, in Jordan, in Egypt, they, they, they marched towards the borders. Mm-hmm. It was their own soldiers that fired tear gas at them. So clearly they've understood that verse. Repeat that story one more time. So when the Al-Ahli hospital mm-hmm. got bombed, did you hear about the bombing of the hospital? Yeah, yeah, Al-Ahli, sure. 500 people were killed, yeah? May Allah accept them as shaheed. Amin. Amin, Ya Rab. And when they, when they carried that out, that very night, thousands, Imran, Wallahi, mm. thousands of people marched, drove to the borders. Mm. It was their own armies that hosepiped them, tear gassed them, and, and, and prevented them from mm. the borders. Mm-hmm. How does that apply in the practical in, in the practical world without an element of mm. pressure to the rulers? So look, no doubt. So look, the 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 point that has to be understood here, number one, is that when it comes to these issues, we're talking militaries are involved, economies of countries are involved, treaties, the safety, uh, this, uh, the treaties you can mention, even though treaties are being broken left, right, center. True, but point being is that there are there are people that have been placed that understand these matters that are able to apply these fatawa in the most it, it, and, and they are they are they're better placed to apply these fatawa than myself so it's conscious that I just, i'm just conscious that 
I want people to understand that I'm not trying to put myself in a position of an alim or a scholar or a mufti or a qadi. Allah so. subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَإِذَا جَاءَمْ أَمْرُ مِنَ الْأَمْنِ أَوَ الْخَوْفِ أَذَاعُوا بِي That when it comes to situations of safety and security, they spread it amongst themselves. Like, all these little kids, they talk about it. We talk about it on Twitter and social media. I say, وَلَوْ رَدُّوهُ إِلَى الرَّسُولُ وَإِلَى أُولِي الْأَمْرِ مِنْهُمْ لَعَلِمَهُ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَنْبِطُونَهُمْ مِنْهُمْ That if only they took it back to the messages, I said, those who are in authority over them, this refers to the scholars, the ulama, they would have known istimbat, how to extract a ruling from the Quran and Sunnah and from the speech of the Prophet and apply it into this particular situation, this particular circumstance. So my thing is, whenever it comes to application, I look at the scholars. And I look at the ulama of the Sunnah, the ulama who speak the haq, the ulama who are known to, you know, you know, mashallah, they know, they, They, you know, we hear these terms, but I'm saying I don't even like to use those terms. So what, are they, what are they saying then? No, so, so, so the, the point here is that the first step is that the, the, the hukum needs to be made clear. We need to understand what is the Islamic ruling on this particular mas'ala. The second question is, okay, cool. You've now told me, because I actually asked one of my mashaykh this question. I said, Sheikh, so you're saying that in the, in the deen of Allah, the hukum here is that defensive jihad or, you know, a resistance is obligatory okay it's obligatory on the people then the obligation extends to those around and it carries on extending until they are sufficed of their oppression and they liberated from their enemy right and their oppressors okay but how does that benefit us because no one can actually do anything Sheikh is something powerful I said Imran did the did Imam al-Bukhari not chapter in his Sahih that knowledge always precedes actions Knowledge always precedes, precedes actions. If people don't even have knowledge of this topic, how can they ever hope for the action to manifest? Like if people didn't know salah was wajib, mm -hmm. would they ever turn towards it? If people didn't know fasting is what is required, okay, let's just say this person is sick, or this, this person even hit puberty. He didn't even have the ability to fast. Or it's not even obligatory for him. But if he didn't learn about it prior, when he does have the ability to now fast, would he? If he didn't know about it prior? So the point here is that we need to number one understand the hukum. Like people talk about two-state solution. Nah, brother. What do you mean two-state solution? That's the land of the Muslims. Mm -hmm. You usurped it. You stole it. Like why are we? Why are we talking? As in, why are Muslims talking about two-state solution? That's not. That's not the. That's that's that. Even if that manifests, it will still be unjust because you absolutely. You, you stole, I, you, I, I think the Palestinians know that as well. I even the person is not I, that. it's not even something that's practical like mm. the you want a two-state solution where the countries are not even connected and you can't even travel from one part to another except you have to go through the same people that you're fighting against like it doesn't make sense point point being is that this look the prophet ﷺ mentioned that allah if you muslims do four things either you trade in a type of riba and you hold on and and, and, and you grab the tail of the cattle And you become pleased with your with your dunya basically. jihad, and you leave off jihad. Sallallahu alaykum Allah Azza wa Jal will place over you humiliation. Mm -hmm. And Allah will not remove it for you until you come back to your deen. Who does that apply to? Everyone. In in the issue of jihad, the, the, the scholars, laity, awam, everyone. It replies to 
everyone who's got the ability to do so in whatever capacity that they can. So we've this seen this is what the scholars they mentioned about this particular topic. So the reason why I'm asking you on this, my brother, mm. Allah, it's not that I want you to explicitly state a position mm. on how it would practically manifest mm -hmm. the ruling itself, the hukum. Mm -hmm. You're saying that people need to first understand that first, know that that's the solution mm -hmm. and so forth. L let me counter you with this, yeah? Go for it. The vast majority of the ummah mm -hmm. will not disagree that the Palestinians have to defend themselves. Would you agree? If you speak to the most Muslims, that know... Sadly, no, I, I do unfortunately hear from some. That's why these situations... What, what, they, what, they, what, they shouldn't defend their homes and their lands and not fight and resist? I mean, some people, I mean, may, maybe they don't say it like that. Okay, okay. No. But generally speaking, yeah. those who have a cursory understanding, yeah. mm -hmm. right, a cursory understanding, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. a level one, two primary mm -hmm. understanding of the situation, will say that the Palestinians have a right to defend themselves. And they okay. will, and they should, you know. Yeah, I mean, they, look, look, the... International community says it. Yeah, the international community says it. Yeah. So, like, if that's the case, well, where are you saying the ambiguity or the lack of clarity is? Is it how far it branches out? The responsibility yeah, I'm, I'm, branches out. I'm, I'm, the unanimous consensus is, is that when they don't have the, when a group of Muslims who are being killed and massacred, who are not able to defend themselves adequately against the oppressor, the obligation extends to those around them and it carries on extending. To those above and beyond them until they liberate their muslim brothers and sisters period why are you not making a distinction between laity the awam the the your it guy mm. to your farmer to your teacher to your student to the legit soldiers of standing armies who have the material means to do it why 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 is there not a distinction between the two why does the why does it fall on the general lay, layman when they when the muslim countries and governments have standing armies in Iran with that can compete and contest to some extent mm -hmm. why is it on now obviously obviously if if a if a country was to engage and support their Muslim brothers and sisters, I'd assume the first people that they send is their army. Yeah. But the point that I'm mentioning is that let's just say the army was to go in, they still, I'm, try, I'm trying to show how severe the situation is. I'm not disputing you, I'm going above and beyond. I'm saying even if the army was not enough, actually this is something that the obligation falls on the Muslims. And you're saying this from like a, an academic, from your research point of view, citing Islamic source texts. Yeah, and, and, and the consensus so of the scholars. People can look up the tafsir of the look up Ibn Taymiyyah, Ibn Qayyim, the former Dahib, Hanafi, Shafi'i, look up Imam Nawi's Kalam, Hanbali Madhab, Maliki Madhab, Ibn Abdul Bar, scholars today. It's not, it's not something hidden. Do you think there's scholars right now, right now in those said countries mm -hmm. that are giving this reminder and nasiha to the rulers. Yeah, 100%. I've been, been seeing their tweets, I've been seeing their lectures, seeing their reminders. That's where I'm getting it from. <laughs> That's where I'm understanding this from. Reminding them of the of, of the duty. Of the obligation, of course. I, Sheikh Mashhoor in Jordan, he, someone asked him, he said to him, what do you think about, what what, 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 what are your, like, what's, what, like what, what, what are your thoughts on what's been happening? And the Sheikh started off, the first thing he said, he said, we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to, Accept us as martyrs, defending mm. Palestine, and so the passion, care, and concern in the Sheikh. This is one of Sheikh Albani's greatest students, um, one of the most knowledgeable ulama alive today. And then he went on to explain further and so on and so forth. Um, but the reality of the problem here is, okay, so this, uh, you you're talking about application, right? Because yeah, okay, but, cool. So so so, so, so 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 I'm talking about how it would look in real life. Okay, cool. So let, let's 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 get to. Because I like to be practical. So I'm saying we're in a situation where there's this ruling and it's not being applied. 
Yeah, so thousands of people went okay. to the borders. They saw what happened in Al Alahli okay, Masjid. Cool. So they wanted to cross the borders. Cool. So it's not been applied because there are certain governments that are certain preventing them from doing institutions so. that are stopping them from yeah, going in. Okay. Actively stopping. So then what do we do now? Do we just sit here and wait for them to change their mind? So I'm asking you now. Okay, good. So then we go to the Quran and Sunnah for guidance. Mm. The first thing is number one, understanding the hukum. That's my point. Is that we as Muslims have to understand this wajib. We have to make tawbah to Allah. I have to see forgiveness daily. Allah, this is the obligation that has been placed of this ummah and the ummah is falling short in it. Does that make sense? We, have, mm -hmm. we should be in a constant state of istighfar. Ya Rabb, this is, this is, don't hold us account for this. Point being is now, okay, cool. Now, the second thing is, how do you create a situation where, whether it be governments, whether it be whatever institutions, or Allah facilitates another way that you're able to help your brothers and sisters. Again, I asked the question to one of my mashaykh. And he said to him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَالَّذِينَ جَاهَدُوا فِينَا لَنَهْدِيَنَّهُمْ سُبُولَنَا Allah said, whoever strives for my sake, I will guide him to my paths. I.e., if you strive to please Allah Allah will open up other paths for you for khair. For example, if you want, if you're seeking knowledge, the more you study, the more Allah will open up knowledge for you. If you implement the knowledge that you're studying in terms of action, then Allah will open up more actions for you. The Sahaba wanted to fight amongst the Prophet when they were in Mecca. They wanted to fight. Yeah, yeah. Allah Subhanahu Allah said, Have you not seen those? They were told, Hold back your hands, don't fight. Establish the prayer and give zakat. Allah mentioned there's many ayat where Allah is telling the Sahaba, turn, the, turn, the, turn away, be patient, be patient, be patient. And then Allah gives them permission. He says, Now I have given you permission to go and fight and defend yourself against those that have been oppressing you, that have been violating you. My point is that the Sahaba, they wanted to. For a multiplicity of reasons, Allah didn't give them permission to fight. But they stayed firm and they carried on studying the deen of Allah. They were strengthened in their aqidah and their tawheed until they got to a point, and it wasn't defensive by the way. The Ba'al al wasn't defensive jihad. The first, oh, yeah, yeah, it was, the it was first, supposed to be a raid. Was, yeah, yeah, the first defensive raid. jihad was Uhud, and then after that yeah, yeah. was the yeah. Battle of Ahazab. So the first wasn't even defensive. Allah yeah. said, now you've been. It was a raid, yeah. Right. So point here is that we've seen circumstances where the Muslims want to do something. The Muslims want that like Umar when he done Hijrah and he left, mm -hmm. he stood on the mountain, he said, I'm going to do Hijrah. If any woman wants, if any one of you wants his wife to become a widow or his mother to mourn a son, then follow me. Mm -hmm. Like these was not people that were scared. It's not like they didn't want to fight and defend and the honor of the Prophet and the Muslims. But just the circumstances for whatever reason, and at that time Allah hadn't given them permission to do so, but they but they weren't able to fight. But that didn't mean they just sat there towards their thumbs. Okay, so what do I do next? What can I do in the meantime? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So they implemented everything else that was coming down. My, 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 my point here is that like, there are certain things that we were told in our deen that are more virtuous than jihad. But we don't do those. So then we, and we cry and scream why we've not been given that. You know that video I told you about Sheikh Mashur? You know mm -hmm. what he mentioned? He mentioned, he said, he said, jihad is a honor Allah gives to his allies. His awliya, the wali of Allah is the one who Allah gives this honor to. What did Allah say in the Quran? How many prophets fought and with them ribbiyun? Ribbiyun is a word used to describe the devout slaves of Allah and the people of knowledge that have attributed themselves to the Rabb. To the Rabb. They are very, like, they, these are the, 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 the creme the, de la creme. You know, I hate France. 
and I hate, I was actually going to say that, <laughs> but these, that's another topic hopefully we can yeah, discuss. Yeah. But point, point, point being is that we're talking, these are the, the, the perfect Muslims, the best mm. of the Muslims. They're the ones who fought alongside the prophets. Now, I don't want to conflate jihad, which is defensive, is different. You could be a sinner when no one's going to say you can't join the ranks. You're saying it's everyone. 100%, 100%. But what we are saying, though, is that we, we, we look at the ones that Allah is giving the honor of jihad to. Does that make sense? Mm. And Allah is given it. So the point that Sheikh Mashhur was mentioning was that Muslims, you have been humiliated. You want to go in and help and save, but you're not even being given entrance. Does that make sense? Which is the reality. Which is the reality. That's happening right now. So, so now come back to the crux and fix the problem. Does that make sense? What's shocking is that ayah where Allah mentioned those who fought amongst the prophets, they were righteous and devout. It says Allah. The next ayah Allah said, And they, their statement wasn't anything except that they said, Oh Lord, forgive us. Make tawbah. They were making, they were people who were doing istighfar. They were people who were making tawbah. When you look at the story of David and Goliath, mm -hmm. and obviously Dawood was under the army of the king, Talut. Yes. And Allah talks to us about, about, about that incident. They were going to fight an army that was very strong. They were going to fight an army that was crazy. Does that make sense? Equipped, bigger in number. And when he crossed with his army, King Talut, he said, Allah is going to test you with a river. Whoever drinks from this river is not, is not from me. But if you do drink, you can only drink what? So, A handful. Yeah. So there were three types of people when it came to that battle. There were those who drank more than a handful, mm. those who drank a handful, and those who didn't drink at all. They didn't drink at all. The most steadfast were the ones who did not drink. Who didn't drink at all. Exactly. Does that make sense? The ones who drank more than a handful, you go back home. Mm -hmm. Beautiful benefit here. They didn't have taqwa. They didn't fear Allah. They didn't deserve to be amongst the ranks of, of, of the Mujahideen. His point was, listen, brother, I'm not having you guys fighting alongside me. Does that make sense? If you people, the Battle of Badr was 313 men. When the Battle of Yarmouk happened, there was 120, there's different numbers that I mentioned. Big numbers. But 120,000 Romans numbers. and 20,000, 40,000 Muslims. Mm -hmm. When they realized how outnumbered they were, they sent a message to Umar ibn Khattab for backup and reinforcements. His response to them was, at Badr we were less than you, ask Allah for help. Does that make sense? Yeah. So quality always or trumps- Quantity. Quantity, 100%. So point being here is that we as a Muslim have to ask ourselves, okay, cool, we, the Muslims want to, they've understood this obligation. A man wants to fast, he's understood the obligation, but because of his, his diet issues, he's got bad health, he's on medication. So then fix your diet issues so that you can become strong again and that you can fast. Does that make sense? So, okay, cool. This is obligatory upon you to liberate your brothers and sisters here and to defend them. But the door has been closed on you. Why? Okay, cool. Now understand the reasons why Allah is perhaps my humiliated people. And one of them is because of their sins. So, and, and the question that people come, come to people mind, oh, you're saying Allah is humiliating the Palestinians because of their sins? No, because victories of two types. Allah says, Whoever fights for the sake of Allah, one of two, either he's killed, he's a martyr, or he becomes victorious and, and conquers. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying, the one who gets killed for the sake of Allah, he, he's a shaheed. He's a shaheed, he's got victory. Yeah, yeah. And no one's talking about the Palestinian brothers and sisters. To be honest, I have, I'm scared. And when my sheikh said to me, he said, Allah, I'm scared that I won't have the firmness their children have. Their children have a firmness that I don't think I will be able to have. Does that make sense? So no one's here talking about the Palestinian brothers and sisters, but actually us as the Ummah, humiliated. You live amongst the, we, we live amongst the Kufar who are telling us, seen all these pictures bodies being blown to pieces kids innocent children does that make sense it has the right number, to defend itself it has right to defend itself 
Ahi, humiliation, bro. And all we can do is what? To our face as well. Yeah, but then, now this is my problem. This, this is the issue now. Why are we that humiliated? So let me, so, so I'm, I'm, we're going gonna, we're gonna to continue with this part. Let, let, let me ask you this. And well, it's not because I want to probe you into or push you in this to, to get a certain position out of you. Mm. I just want to know this whole kind of collective mm. sin uh, being a reason for why Allah does not give victory or make us a victorious ummah at that given time. Is there a... F- a consistent application between laity or is there a more on rulers okay cool so because you have to address no, because because, because, but, some, but, because some would say uh, hold it's a, on it's a very good question who does it apply to does so it, it, is it equal application is it applied to those who have the ability have the means to make this obligation mm. actually materialize or is it are you saying it's everyone no, of course the obligations and the rulers but, but, but uh, as uh, it will fall on them first and foremost does that make sense but i just qu- want a clarity on that oh i thought that was clear no but, but there'd be people thinking that is, is iman just telling people just smash through borders and go through and there's no there's no responsibility no. on the firstly, armies firstly, the, firstly, firstly, fir- the president the the, the armies the generals the lieutenants firstly i'm not telling you to do anything i'm just telling you what allah is mr saying mm-hmm. and i'm just quoting to you scholars and i'm discussing what this point of islamic scholarship is so does that make sense Sorry, what i meant by that was yeah, <laughs> just to clarify what i meant was that on a hypothetical yeah. that's what we're talking about okay. not that you're but, actually but, saying but, that. but my, my point is this Aki, is that when we're in a situation where that's not taking place what do i do do i just sit here and just say well why are the rulers not doing this? why the rulers not doing it that's not productive not just that we fail to realize those rulers came from our houses allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know you, you know ali was asked a question he said yeah ali by one of the tabians he said why is it that when Abu Bakr and Umar had, you know, smaller land to govern than you. You know, there were circumstances were not as ideal as yours. But everyone listened to them. But you've got this mass kingdom. Mm. But you and Uthman عنهما, are constantly disobeyed. You know what Ali said? He said, because Abu Bakr and Umar had people like me that they ruled over. They had people like me that they ruled over. And I have people like you. So, so, so the Salaf took a, a statement from this and many textures of this. They said, Your rulers are your actions, and the way you are is how your rulers will be. We don't like to accept this reality. And please, for a second, do not misunderstand that I'm here in support or advocacy of any ruler. I'm talking to you about a matter of fact. If we had a ruler that was actually on his deen, the first people to drive him out today would be the lay people, the same ones that are screaming. Where are the rulers that are doing anything? Because do you know what it's actually like to be ruled under Sharia? As as in, do you understand? Most of the brothers are going to the protests who are asking for whatever intervention to take place. Are you praying your salahs? I'm saying, when it comes to Sharia, bro, we're all wearing, like, all the girls wearing hijab, bro. If not niqab, like, I'm saying, are you ready for that, though? Like, do you understand? Like, as as in, you drink alcohol, but you're getting lashed. (laughs) <laughs> you can't do riba, bro. Your mortgages, what are you going to do with your houses? Which is why, which is why, which is why it struck me so deep that the ayah of Allah said, Yeah, yeah, we, we are clear. We, we know what we need to do. The Muslims need to liberate that lands. It falls on the rulers. It falls on those after them. It falls on if the rulers have gone, the armies have gone. The reason why I was not re- responding to the issue of rulers directly is because this is not jihad definitely. Sorry, this is not jihad talab. Jihad talab requires an imam. Jihad talab requires an imam. You can't do offensive jihad without a ruler. But you can't cross borders without the ruler's permission. Right, but Ibn Taymiyyah mentions that this doesn't require any conditions. Jihad, jihad, defensive jihad doesn't have conditions. So that's why I was, I was saying the, the ruler is not even a condition here. 
Did you understand? That 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 that, that was the reason why I was I'm I was just, just responding no, in more general terms. No, no, I got you, so, so go on. Yeah, go on. No, no, go on. Yeah, so I'm saying so but 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 now I'm saying we don't have this virtue that has been given. We just have to sit there and watch. He heads being blown. Every day, wake up to the morning, Al Jazeera, another 100, 200 Muslims got killed. Do you understand? That's the point. We can't do nothing else. Uh, no, sorry. The things that we could do, but I'm saying we can't do what's required. So then what's the first step that we need to take so we can do that? I mean, well, it starts off with istighfar and tawbah. Well, it does. Well, it starts because Allah honors. Actually, jihad's honor. It's honor. He's not, it's, it's, did, you, did we think that the ones who were fighting behind the Prophet ﷺ, fornicators and alcoholics, and don't give me all this one sahabi was lashed because he drank alcohol. I'm talking about the people. I'm talking about the nation. No, the, the best the, of people. Yeah, the Prophet was asked a question by, the Prophet said, uh, was asked a question by his people. wife. He said, we will be destroyed even if there are righteous amongst us. The Prophet said, yes, if the khubth, the filth are more than the righteous. Allah said, Corruption spread in the land and the sea because of what our hands had done. That's why when Allah is talking about the Mujahideen who are fighting with the Prophet, what's the next ayah? Allah forgive us our sins. That first step is Tawbah. Allah make our feet firm. Give us victory over these people. Give us victory over them. Why do the Muslims lose? They ask this question. How do we lose? How, 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 where would the Prophet, how do we do this? How the Prophet got struck in the face? How the Prophet got struck in the face? You did this, you, you, you disobeyed. You disobeyed, yeah. Now what's shocking at is that, I'm gonna ask you a question. Go for it. There's this one that's gonna upset people now. It's gonna upset me. I hope not. <laughs> Go on. I'm seeing on paper, what's worse? What France did when they insult the Messenger Sallallahu And they made it, and they made it, a a a on a governmental level they stood for we are going to mock muhammad sallam or what's happening in gaza and i hope no one takes what i'm saying as me i'm trying to belittle what's happening because all of what i've just said up until now has been in support and focus of like, we need to do something to help our brothers and sisters so let me ask you go on and let me let me so, 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 mm. it's not that i'm asking with a question with a question which i am mm. go on. fundamentally this is boils down to the sanctity and the honor of the Prophet mm. and the sanctity and the honor of the life of the believer. So which one are you saying? The Prophet without a shadow of a doubt. Okay. Without a shadow of a doubt. And Nabi Awla, the Prophet is, is, has more right over the believers than their own selves. And I give you the lead from the Quran, by the way, to show that, that, that what they did is worse. Allah said, the people who insult your religion, Allah said, fight. Fight the imams of disbelief. They have no treaties, no contracts, so that they could be stopped, so that they can stop what they're doing. Allah, when he talked about the um, when he talked about uh, fighting the people who insult your deen, Allah referred to them as imams of kufr. Allah didn't refer to ashabul ukhdud, the ones so the people who tortured ashabul ukhdud, the ones who put these Muslims in a pit and set them alight for no other reason except that they worshiped Allah he didn't refer to them as Imams of Kufr Allah didn't even refer to the Jews or the Christians as Imams of Kufr Allah didn't refer to the Mushrikeen as Imams of Kufr Allah referred to those who insult your deen you know why? because when you insult the deen remember when we said there are five objects of the Sharia mm -hmm. we mentioned the second one is life right? 
Well, the great, the first one is Dean. Dean, yeah. a Dean will never be followed if it's mocked. The moment I mock, I've, I've completely taken this religion out from any sanctity or sacredness. Like you can't, a, a, a man who looks at his father as a joke will never obey him. Period. Like if the Prophet Sallam is, is, is someone that we can open our tongues on and make jokes about him. Like look at the Christians do with Isa alayhi salam. No wonder they, they don't take their religion seriously. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Allah said, this is, Allah said, Imams, Akhi, Imam of Kufr, you're a leader, you're an Imam, you lead everyone, your Kufr leads everyone else. Does that make sense? So my point is, where was, my, and this is the sad reality. I'm not saying don't be outraged at what happens with our Palestinian brothers. Be outraged. Your Iman, I'm questioning your Iman perhaps if you're not outraged. But where was the outrage when the Prophet ﷺ was insulted and mocked? Imran, it was there, bro. Oh, 100% it was there. Wallahi, it was there. 100% it was there. Embassies got burned. 100% it was there. Millions took to the streets. capital of the Muslim 100% it was there. Similar scenes. 100% it was there, but not at the same level. 100% it was there. 100% it was there. You're right. I say it wasn't there, B. No, no, I never said I asked a question. And I'm not saying it wasn't there. I'm saying where was it? It wasn't the same level. I'm saying the disproportion, it should have been more. You're saying it should have been more. Of course, I'm, I'm saying we forgot about. I'm saying we we how can, I, this is this is this is this, uh, this 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 point right here. It could it be the fact that that was said in a in a European non-Muslim capital, mm -hmm. whereas what's happening right now is in the heartlands of the Muslim world. Okay, there's, there's look, there's differences in sort. I'm talking about what's worse. I'm talking. You, you, you know what people don't understand about this issue? Look what Allah Azza wa Jalla said in the Quran. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said, "Muhammad, we sent you in Surah Al-Fatih." In Surah Al-Fatih, Allah said, we sent you Muhammad to the people as a witness and a glad tiding and a warner. Why? Why would you send Rasulullah? Allah gives two reasons. So they can believe in Allah and they can believe in the Prophet. Mm. So the Prophet was sent to believe in Allah, believe in the Prophet. Now, what is belief in Allah? We know, Tuhid, Ibadah. Of course. To not worship anyone else besides Allah, no idols, nothing. Okay, what does it mean to believe in the Prophet? To follow his sunnah. That's what most people will give you as an answer straight away, right? Which is true. But it's something before that. Go for it. Allah said, it's connected to that. Allah said, to honor the Prophet so. and respect the Prophet and to give him victory. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying, Allah, Allah, this is not something small. People have to, this is aqeedah. You know, six pillars of Iman, believe in Allah, believe in the Messenger, believe in the angels, believe in, believe in the Prophet. What does it mean? Most Muslims sadly would not be able to tell you the Messenger was sent to be respected. The Messenger was sent to be honored. Now, why would that be important? Because upon that you would obey him. Akhi, Abu Ayyub al-Sakhtiani radiallahu anhu. Not Abu Ayyub, uh, no, sorry. He was a tabi, uh, he was a man from himself. Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, who was a sahabi and told the Prophet stay in my house when you come to Medina. The, he had two floors in his house. The Abu Ayyub al-Ansari of Istanbul. The one who died in Istanbul. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he was martyred in yeah. Istanbul. So what happened was... He was a sahabi, Abi. He was a sahabi, radiallahu yeah. anhu. He told the Prophet stay with me in my house. relative. Say that again? Maternal relative. Of the Prophet said, no. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, the Prophet yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So he, he, said, he said, when you come to my house, stay in my house. He had two floors. Mm. He said, you also stay at the top. Stay on the top floor. Respect, right? Go higher. So <laughs> the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi I will stay downstairs because it's easier for me. It's easier, more convenient for people are going to come. I'm just teaching Sahaba the Deen of Allah coming up and down. I'll stay downstairs. At night, he was upstairs and he said, as I was walking, and hadith sahih, if I'm not mistaken, it's in the sahihin, furthermore. He says, as I'm walking up, I realize, he said, I'm walking above the Prophet's head. He took his family, they went into a corner of the apartment, uh, of the house, a corner. They woke up in the morning and said, Ya Rasulullah, 
please take upstairs. The Prophet said, I told you it's more convenient for me. He said, Wallahi, he said, I am not going to stay in a place where I am above the Messenger. I'm not going to be fi saqf I'm not going to be in a roof that is above the Prophet. That's the respect the Sahaba had, which is why when the Prophet said, Okay, bear arms now. That's why the Prophet said, Give sadaqah now. That's why the Prophet said, Who's going to fund this army? And Uthman said, I will. Mm. It was because the respect was there, the honor, the love was there. And then on top of that, the obedience. So I'm saying now, one of the reasons why, because I speak to some people sometimes and they tell me, I, oh God, you're coming with this rhetoric again, tell people to make tawbah, tell people to leave behind bid'ah. Well, I I'm scared that that only came from that person because of a lack of respect for the Prophet a deficiency, not complete lack, but a deficiency. Because Akhi, when the Prophet has told you that Allah would destroy the people, if they are become sinners. And the, his wife asks, and they are righteous that are still amongst them. And the Prophet said, Naam. Yes. The, 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 the matter is clear. We need to about all. The hadith Sahih Bukhari, when the Prophet said he gave the analogy of a boat, to people on the top deck and the bottom deck. He said, the ones at the bottom deck, one of them, if they say, Look, we keep asking those above us for water, why don't we just drill a hole in the ship? So we can stop inconveniencing them. What happens if you drill a hole in the ship? You're sinking, bro. So the Prophet said, if the ones at the top don't go downstairs and stop them, they will all be destroyed. Let me ask you this, right? Let, let, me, let, me, let me posit this to you, yeah? Uh, throughout Islamic history, mm -hmm. there were times, and I'm going to keep the conversation generated because I know today's framing and priority is not to talk about the intro issues of, of the Ummah. Mm -hmm. this, this is not the time for it. Mm -hmm. But I have to posit this to you because of what you said. Of course, of course. Um, in the course of 1400 years of our history, um, there were many lands conquered, liberated, Allah mm. gave victory mm. um, against the Crusaders, against the Mongols, against mm. the colonialists. There's many a history against the Mushrikeen, there's so many. Mm. Um, bro, there were times where you would perhaps look at the historical course of mm. events and look at the generals, the respective sultanates or caliphates or states, whatever polities that were there at that time. And one could argue that madness was happening then. 100%. Muslims were sinning then. Mm -hmm. They were drinking khamar then, mm -hmm. right? Yes, they had Islamic institutions, uh, institutions, they had the judgment, they had mm -hmm. the courts, the jizya was being collected, mm -hmm. the frontiers were being protected and advanced and all that kind of stuff. But Muslims were still committing sin. Mm. So why is now any unique to any previous time when Muslims have committed sin but Allah gave victory? So my response would be, instead of looking at these scarce and rare instances in Islamic history spread over 1400 years, why don't we just look at the Prophet and his companions and the first two generations which the Prophet put the seal of approval on? Mm -hmm. Because that's the time when they were not just conquering, they were conquering and growing. Like, I forget the name of the uh, the leader of the believers at the uh, time of the Umayyad dynasty. He Abdullah mentioned- bin, Abdullah bin Marwan? No. Um, um, Umar bin Abdulaziz? No, he wasn't, he was, he was one of, the, not one of the Khalifas. Generals. One of the generals of the army. He took his, he conquered all the way up to Mauritania. Tariq bin Ziyad? No, um, he conquered all the way up to Mauritania. And when he conquered up to Mauritania, the, um, he went, he took his horse into the ocean. He took his horse into the ocean when the water reached his mouth and he said, Ya Allah, bear witness, I would have carried on conquering these lands. I would have carried on conquering these lands 
If it wasn't for this ocean that stopped me, I'm saying no borders could stop them. Does that make sense? What was their situation? Because any example after, I'm saying Salahuddin Ayyubi rahmallahu ta'ala, he came with the people at the time and they conquered Al Quds, Alhamdulillah. But that didn't necessarily solve the problem of the Muslims, right? Because shortly after the Mongols came. Mm-hmm. And then we've just we've, we've just we've just had ups and downs. But like a victory to save Qutuz and Baybars. hundred percent. And the Mongols became Muslim. hundred percent. But I'm saying when you when where is the where's the, where where's the long term solution? Where is the I'm, I'm I'm not denying that there were effective expeditions and operations or whatever that took place in Islamic history. But I'm saying where have we returned back to what we had at the time, Prophet and Sahab and Salaf? That's my question, because that's what we want, right? Do we just want a victory that will last for maybe like 100 years, maybe 150, maybe 200 years, but then our great, 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 great grandchildren are going to be taken away as captives in prisons, their heads are going to be blown again? Mm-hmm. Or what, 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 what do we want? Do we not want Islam to come back? I'm saying, look at the Prophet mm-hmm. I'm saying that they disobeyed the Prophet once the battle of Uhud, and Allah said, Allah made them lose. Allah made them lose. Yeah. Do you think there's one in our hearts? Say that again? One. Of course, and that's, that's, that's part of the problem. When it says that the the, uh, the love of the dunya and hate for, well, I sad. Well, I bro, it's sad. It's sad. It's sad. Little things we're not willing to sacrifice. A man can't sacrifice his girlfriend. A man can't sacrifice this to music. A man can't sacrifice, bro. A man can't sacrifice a bid'ah. It's, it's clear to you. You've been told there's no evidence for this. You've been told. You still want to hold on to it. Ajib. <laughs> Let me ask you something. I have to ask you this because it's, it. it's, it's a conversation that's happening amongst mm. Sunnis right now. Go for it. Um, and that is the role of Iran, mm. the Houthis, uh, Hezbollah. Mm. Now, now we can go into history. Yeah. Now, <laughs> there is, ap- I mean, you would have to be absolutely disconnected to reality mm. to deny. That they have power, strength, this, that, and that the only or main lifeline besides Qatari diplomacy and mm-hmm. funding or mm-hmm. whatever funding uh, the Palestinians get from other parts of the Muslim world, but in terms of armed resistance, mm. a lifeline to fight uh, the Zionist entity, mm. it comes from Iran, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to what extent they should be given credit or not, I, I don't. That, that's open to debate. Mm. Some people would argue sometimes we overplay the Iranian involvement and don't give the Mujahideen and the resistance enough credit that they do. Others will say absolutely not. They'd be no, they'll be, they would not be able to resist the way they've been doing without the Iranians and the support from the Hezbollah in north and all these kind of things. You know, the Houthis, Zaydis, the Houthis, they fired ballistic missiles just yesterday. Mm. Um, they've actually said that we're in a state of open war with, mm. with Israel. Um, and there's, a, there's an internal conversation that's now happening with Sunnis, as uncomfortable as it is. Mm that there are historical issues to do with trust and betrayal. There's very recent examples. I think Syria was a very defining moment. Because if people remember... Is, it's weird because people, people seem to have forgotten about that now. Yeah. Now everyone's looking at Bashar al-Assad like, because, he's going to come save us. Because in 2006... But people call him the Fir'aun of this Ummah. No, a Fir'aun of our days. He is the Fir'aun of this Ummah. There's no now, denying that. But now people are looking at him like, oh, but, Bashar, you're going to save us. But the point, the, but what I'm trying to say is this, though. In 2006, mm. Hezbollah mm. was celebrated in the Arab Muslim world, mm-hmm. it, within the Sunni Arab world, mm. as the love hearts and the sweethearts who, who fought the Israelis. Mm. Then they became the most detested thing because of Syria, mm. right? Uh, and, and, and the crimes and the dhulm that they've carried out there. Um, now there's this conversation about they're the only lifeline. 
that gives us the material means to resist occupation. Mm. Hear me, hear me. So the people who be like, uh, they are doing what the Sunni Arab governments should be doing, mm-hmm. but they're not doing. And quite frankly, in the desperate situation that the Palestinians are in, mm-hmm. they ain't got time to be talking about Aqidah, um, uh, going to the Sunnis and rejecting help from the, from the Iranians and so forth. Because this is a matter of, we need to survive, we need to resist. We ain't got time to be checking uh, people's politics and mm-hmm. theological differences and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's an uncomfortable conversation that's taking place right mm-hmm. now of Amongst Sunnis of different persuasions mm. and leanings, what's your thoughts? <clears throat> if the show want to come and help our brothers and sisters, if 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 they want to help them, but but they are. One second, they're sending missiles. Okay, they're sending funding. I I I, I, I don't know the details. Okay, so, 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 so assume what I'm saying. Just assume. Okay, let's have it. So I've already assumed. Okay, I've, I've t- I'm saying if they were to come in and help our brothers and sisters, if America was to come in and help our brothers and sisters, <laughs> if Japan wants to come in, help brothers and sisters. I don't think anyone in the right mind is going to have issue. We say Zakhla Khair. Oh, may Allah guide you if, 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 if they're Kufar, right? But what I really want Muslims to understand, our brothers and sisters, is that there are some principles, there are some things that are just the way that they are. are history always repeats itself. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. The Why would you for a second think that these Shia would? Be interested in the benefit of the of the Sunnis. It's part of their creed to cut our heads off. It's actually in their doctrines that when their Mahdi al-Muntadir, when their awaited Mahdi returns, he will wage war on the Sunnis and slice their head, separate their heads from their shoulders. This is their doctrine. And by the way, we know the Hizbul Shaitan, this group. I won't call it Hezbollah, Hezbul Shaitan or Hezbollah. This group is a religiously inspired group is they have they 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 they're not a secular group does that make sense that like they've got a shia doctrine that they want to push for them they're waiting for this battle with the sunnis so what would make you think for a second like my brothers sisters that they have your best interest in heart where your blood is halal for them they are actually awaiting the opportunity to separate your head from your shoulders for them allah alam it seems like it could be a the enemy of my enemy is my friend momentarily. They have their own interests. They have the interests that they're trying to serve. They are trying to expand their Shia, you know, regions. They've, Iran really is one that calls a show. They've got They've got the Houthis. So for them, they're propagating their stuff. Yeah, they call it the Persian Crescent. So, the, so the Houthis in Yemen, yeah. Syria, Lebanon, <coughs> uh, even some influence in the Arab Spring in Bahrain, Iran, obviously. Some so they're, they're serving. Remember, a lot of this stuff is propaganda for their own people. Does that make sense? Maybe a cause. They have their issues. They have their issues with Israel or the Zionists and the Yehud. We have our own issues. Does that make sense? Sometimes our issues might come together. It's like, okay, whatever your issue is and my issue, it meets on the plight of the Palestinian people. Perhaps, but where are you picking this up from? Does that make sense? Not only that, historically, who are the ones, we talked about the Mongols, who are the ones that let the Mongols in it was, I believe, uh, a Shia Vizier of the Abbasid Caliph. And then, the and then Genghis Khan, after, uh, I'm not sure if it was Genghis Khan that actually invaded him. No, 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 they killed him. They, they killed him. Because of his treachery. Because he was trying to trust him. Yeah. Okay, not only that. Who killed, who, who the people, if I'm not mistaken, but who the ones who killed uh, Nuruddin Zinki? I believe it's Ismailis. And then what did Salahuddin Ayyubi do before he conquered? Before, before Re- he conquered. Dismantled the Fatimids. He said, first we have to go to the Shia. <laughs> well, I look at this, look, the one that we're praising. 
the one that we're talking about rahimullah ta'ala may allah grant him the reward that's due to him right I mean. the one that we celebrate as the liberator of palestine uh, of masjid al-aqsa he took a different path to what his predecessor took because uh, he, he, he had more of a pragmatic approach to the fatimids as, as in like to, in the Zinki, okay. he had more of a pragmatic approach mm -hmm. to the fatimids but that was still with the objective to eventually take over uh, but point being uh, even when you look at the issue of hussein radiallahu this is what they called him they said come to us we'll give well, you the pleasure. people of kufa betrayed him Khalas, I mean, and they were the ones who became the shia yeah they started off as the tawabin first and foremost mm. they would come to karbala 10 years after the 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 the, 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 the bloodshed and they would strike themselves and lament at what they'd done and they betrayed Akhi, you your you, your imam who you worship you you didn't you didn't fulfill your oath to him does that make sense so, so my point here is that Abbas don't believe they're going to get involved. I don't think they're going to do anything. Where are these screams and calls that have been coming every day? Invade, invade. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Okay, the invasion happened. What are you going to do? Yeah, but they're sending missiles. They're, they're firing shots. Allah, I'm, I'm, but I'm, I, I'm saying that's firing all. Shots. I, they that's are all that. You know, like I said, I, I I'm, not into, I'm not into politics. And I'm not into all that. Well, I know, I know my deen. So, what, I know. so what would you do if, if a young brother came to you? Mm -hmm. I said, Imran, uh, my dear brother, I'm, you're someone that come to your talks. Mm -hmm. I follow your stuff. Akhi, how come it is... Uh, Shia Hezbollah, the, the Zaydi Houthis, mm -hmm. how, how come it's them firing shots, missiles, how come it's their people dying on the borders, actually actively fighting, and none of the Arab regimes, not Turkey, not Saudi, no one, how come it's them actually fighting, sending funds, whether it's five missiles or five. I'm saying they're doing whatever they're doing to suit their own benefit and their purpose. And these guys are doing what suits their benefit and their purpose. And we're not praising either of them. Cool. Not you. I'm saying these are serving their purpose. They want to expand whatever it is that they have, their ideology, their Shiism, their territories, or whatever their objective is. And these guys want to defend and, and, and protect and safeguard whatever it is that they're holding on to. Does that make sense? But, but one thing we can say for certain is that we've looked at the Shia for our history. Mm -hmm. And they've not benefited the Muslims. They've, they've, they have historical fact, Ahi, the ones who stabbed the Muslims in the back were the Rafidah. Mm. This is a historical fact. No, no, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, historical there, there, fact. No, there was a historical precedence for that. Whether we, whether we look at the Ottoman, the yeah. Safawiyin, whether we look at uh, the Crusaders, uh, even some of the colonial factions as well. Akhi, look, at serious, serious. look at Look at Hussein Radir. Akhi, well, like, you scream yeah. Hussein Radir on every Ashura. Akhi, you people betrayed him. You betrayed your own Imam. He's our Imam, furthermore. Of course. Anhu. But, of like, course. but you, you started with this. Bringing the podcast to a close, um, let's talk about. Uh, things which are somewhat associated with the Salafi manhaj in mm. terms of when it comes to these kind of incidents What can we do in the West? Mm. Uh, and two things that kind of stand out. I mean, let's put aside Petitions and writing to your MPs and stuff like that because I don't think we, I mean Let's not talk about the utility and the practical utility of it but more to do with the fact that You write a letter to your MP whether he or she responds and what you apply pressure and so forth I think boycott and protest are two very specific things mm -hmm which sometimes is correctly or incorrectly associated with uh, the Salafi manhaj or brothers who subscribe to that with regards to his permissibility and impermissibility. For example, mm -hmm. I'm not going to mention no names. Mm -hmm. There was a brother who came out recently and said that, look, you know, um, for the Muslims in the mm -hmm. Muslim world, if you're boycotting things, in the, if, you're boy, if you're boycotting things in the Muslim world, mm -hmm. you know you have to look into the fact whether there's existing agreements and and deals with Israeli companies and the mm -hmm. Hukam and the government and so forth. And there was a massive outrage and, and mm -hmm. response to that. So 
What's your personal thoughts on boycotting things like Puma, who are invested in legal settlements in the West Bank, uh, Siemens and HP, who provide technological hardware for the Israelis to oppress and surveil our brothers and sisters? Um, what's your thoughts on boycott? The scholars mentioned boycott and helps, it benefits the cause of the Muslims. Then, of course, it should be done. Of course, I boycott France. I don't buy any French products, as in any, any French product. I don't buy people who know me from before. No, I had a thing for Montclair, designer clothes. I, I, I mean, I never, I never purchased it even. Okay. But point being is that, look, as in someone might misunderstand what the scholars do mention. If you've already purchased something, then it's not, it's, you're also not allowed to destroy your wealth. So if you've got some product, I'm saying you have to break them, destroy them, but don't buy any more. Does that make sense? So if it helps, it helps, inshallah ta'ala. But um, protesting, the reason why Great, we don't discuss these things as solutions by the way mm -hmm. that needs to be made abundantly clear mm -hmm. we're talking about these are helps aids and support yeah, actions to either raise awareness to aid to, to, to raise awareness to bring pressure whatever whatever alleviation we can bring to mm -hmm. the Muslims whatever it is I, 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 I honestly believe that the Wallahu Alam not that my my personal perspective and views has much bearing with ulama but I feel like a, a lot of the people that um adhere to the methodology of the Sahaba and the Salaf Salih, they misunderstand uh, the reality of protesting. I, to be honest, I believe protest is misunderstood across the board. I even believe those guys who protest misunderstand it. But the, 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 definitely I believe protesting is misunderstood amongst um, the brothers there. There are different reasons why scholars gave. Remember, protesting is a thing that's new. Protesting is something that came as a result of democracy. De like Democratic institutions are, what's the word, not governed, but but it, it, it's basically um, elections and protesting is how you keep the power of the people so right it's, it's, a, it's, it's a civil right that the mm. people have exactly. to voice their discontent support mm -hmm. wherever it may be towards policy domestic foreign or not mm -hmm. it's, a, it's an inalienable right of someone living in a democracy 100%. or in a functioning state 100% so the, the, the point here is that because something new there's no ayah from the Quran or Sunnah that tells you democracy is permissible or not so the question is we've got this new thing that's come does that make sense what do we do you see some scholars differentiating between uh, protesting in the land of the Muslims and in the lands of the Kuffar. And then we see some scholars saying all circumstances, no, making no differentiation. And then we see some scholars mention that this is a bid'ah. Some scholars mention, no, it's not a bid'ah, but they mention that it's impermissible because of X, Y, Z things that happen. Other scholars mention that, you know what, if you can avoid certain harams that take place, it's permissible. Permissible, but, but, does it actually solve the problem? As in, is it actually a vehicle that you can drive to get to your to your destination? So, point is that the, the, the protesting thing has to be looked at from a lot more of a nuanced perspective. As I said, so I used to believe protesting was a bidah. I don't hold that view anymore. Um, what I believe about protesting is that protesting is just not useful. I don't believe protesting. I don't believe protesting actually will bear the result or the fruit that people are hoping from it. In very simple terms, when you're protesting, you're asking the guy who number one hates you. We're talking about Muslims, right? Mm -hmm. So, who, so protesting is you asking these governments. So, there have been two types of protests. I mean, let's forget about the Muslim one. Let's talk mm -hmm. exclusively okay. our reality in the West. So, you're right? asking, you're asking. So, there's, so there's been two types of protests. Mm -hmm. There's been protests of the very large protests, mm -hmm. like three hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, mm -hmm. um, generally organised by non-Muslims with Muslim or pro-Palestine allies, uh, Palestine Solidarity Campaign, mm. Friends of Al-Aqsa, mm. um, very left-leaning groups, 
um, Stop the War. Mm. And that's the one that's really got huge numbers. Mm. And they're appealing to obviously the UK government to call for a ceasefire, uh, call for the ending mm. of illegal settlements, um, work towards a two-state solution. Mm. And then there have been protests exclusively um, I'm not again. I'm not mentioning our groups. Then there's, we've done well so far not to mention groups and and individuals and name themselves, who have exclusively uh, directed their focus on the Muslim embassies, mm -hmm. because they should be doing jihad al-daf, mm -hmm. right? So those two types, mm. right? One was somewhat segregated because the numbers were significantly smaller mm -hmm. and exclusively a Muslim call to the Muslim mm -hmm. armies, but then the far larger one. Right, is 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 mixed and predominantly. So our protests don't even work in the first place if it's not a large number. Mm. So we can already rule out the brothers that are doing it in small numbers because your voice has to be loud enough and has to be strong enough that it gets heard and it has enough force that whoever you're trying to reach out to these leaders, these governments are going to listen to you. So already, if you're protesting in small numbers, quick one, go for it. What if the the Muslims they say, look, I'm not. We don't have the ability. And remember, I know it's linked to the whole conversation about sins and where we are in terms of our deen mm -hmm. and stuff like this. But we attend these protests so at least we can meet Allah on the final day and say, Ya Allah, I, I wanted to do something. I, I wanted mm -hmm. to do something. I wanted to show up. So why not do something that actually has benefit? That's like, my point. Like? Dua. There's dua in the protest, Imran. One second. So number yeah. one, 350,000 people put up for a protest. Yeah, if those two, how how long does the protest take? For a couple like how long? Couple, couple like we say five six hours. You're out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Even if you put dua to aside for a second, they will, it will actually have more impact. What makes you think they're not making dua already? Right, so my question to you is, if the okay, if the Muslims were making dua and they turn back to Allah the way they deserved, Allah has told us He responds to the dua. We'd already had victory. <laughs> we're not making enough dua. 100%. Shall I tell you something? We talked about jihad, right? <laughs> we didn't talk about dua. Every jihad the Prophet did. My last question. If, if I, I could just mention this point. Of course. Every jihad the Prophet did. Mm -hmm. His dua. The battle of Badr. Long dua, Abu turned to stop. I'm saying, wait, so where is that from, from us? I'm, I'm saying, if. Because the Prophet didn't protest, right? He didn't protest. Have you never heard the argument that when they went out in public? But that's not a protest. That wasn't a protest. It was a, it was a call. It wasn't a protest. It was, it was, it was, it was a public display of. Pro protest against the existing order of the and day. Those are all that we that we've added. Those are all just interpretations we added. They they just went out to make a point we're together. And we're Muslim. And Muslim, but not. But protesting is I'm screaming to you to change policy, to change law, to engage. To inter they weren't. They weren't. I'm, I'm just playing with semantics. Yeah, yeah? okay, of course. But, 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 what, but there wasn't a protest. But what would they say? They're protesting against Quraysh to believe and accept Islam. The first people that protested, the first people that protested were the Khawarij. They came. They put Uthman around the siege and they protest. The first would protest. The closest thing that you could call to a protest that they have today mm -hmm. is what the Khawarij did. The Prophet never protested. And that's not a strong argument. Look, I was very just. I said protest is not bid'ah. I don't believe that's a strong argument. Even though many ulama of our scholars mention it's bid'ah. Uh, but that's not a strong argument. I, you know what I'm saying? Not every argument just is worth even like paying attention to. My, my, my point is that, let's, okay, let's just assume protesting permissible. Let's even just assume protesting has benefit. I'm saying the Prophet ﷺ done jihad and he done dua. Why is it that dua has been undermined? Who tells you that they're not making dua already, Imran? I'm, 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 not, here, I'm not here to judge no one. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is that the rhetoric I hear mm. is um, we need more than dua. You guys just talk about dua having some practical solutions. 
we hear calls to protest. We don't hear calls to dua. I'm seeing the Prophet done jihad. And he spent the whole night begging Allah for victory. I'm seeing the battle of Ahzab, which is probably the closest thing that you can compare to what the Prophet went through to what's happening in Gaza. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, the Prophet was making dua. My question is now, do the Muslims know the du'as the Prophet made for, when it came to battle? Many wouldn't. That's, that's as, problem, as in the specific du'as? But that's what I'm saying. That's, is that not a problem, mate? I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying this a situation of violence and bloodshed. The Prophet said, there was a du'a, and, 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 and look, I'm not even, I'm, we can go more into protest. I'm saying, let's for argument's sake, say protest is even beneficial. Let's just say it even has beneficials. Let's just say it's not wajib, it's not recommended, but let's just say it's permissible for argument's sake. I'm talking from just from the point of okay, a, no a Muslim wants to say that no, this, I'm, is, I'm, this I'm, is something I'm, I did. I'm saying, but I'm saying, why not, I'm saying, why not spend those six hours making dua? The Prophet spent the whole night making dua and Allah gave him victory. Because look what Allah said. Allah said, تَسْتَغِيثُونَ رَبَّكُمْ فَاسْتَجَابَ لَكُمْ They could have been praying all night, Habibi. Okay. Could have, should have, would have. That's not my business. It could have been. I'm saying do it. I'm, I'm saying if you do, I have husn of Allah. And we as Muslims should have husn of Allah. Do you have husn of the Muslims? Of course I do. Because uh, my, my last question to you was this, to wrap up this entire okay. podcast, was some would find it refreshing mm -hmm. to see you here, mm -hmm. to hear what you have mm -hmm. said. But some, and this is my final question to you for this podcast, someone would say there is still this if I just feel it, that, I feel like the podcast point, I really want to Because I feel like if I came here to tell the people that the, the unanimous consensus is jihad def, and you can't do that, then the thing that you can do, if you don't understand this from this podcast, spend your days, every moment waking up the last day of the night, between the adhan and the qama, in the last part of the shahood, in your sujood, okay, making dua to Allah okay. to give victory to our Palestinian brothers and sisters, 100%. then I haven't done my job. I haven't, I haven't done my job because at the very least, that's what you could do. I'm saying Allah is the way to the Prophet. If tastaghitunna rabbakum fastajabarakum. Allah said, Muhammad, you, you didn't just make dua. You begged, you called out, you cried in desperation. And your Lord responded, he sent angels down. I'm saying the Prophet will make duas. People take this from me, please. The, the, when the Prophet feared the enemy attacking, the enemy attacking, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Prophet would say, Allahumma inna naj'aluka fi luhuri wa na'udhu bika min shururihim. Oh Allah, we, place, we ask you to restrain them by their necks and we seek refuge in you from their evil. The Prophet would make dua at the battle of Ahzab, Allahumma munzil al-kitab. Oh Allah, the one who sent down the book. Wa sari' al-hisab, the one who's swift to account. Allah destroy these groups that have come. Allahumma ihzim, Allah destroy them, wazalzum, wazalzum, shake them, shake them, Ya Rab. Many other du'as I can give you. The du'a that the, I mentioned that the, that the prophets and those who fought with the prophets made. Rabbana khfillana dhunubana wa israfana fi amrina wa thabbit qadamana wa sunna al qawm al kafin. Oh Allah, forgive us for our sins and our transgressions and our trespasses and make us firm and give us victory over the disobedient people. I'm not even like. Truth be told, I would love to sit here and say, brothers, protests are not beneficial. Don't do it. Leave it off. People know my stance. I'm not even going to try and do that. You know why? Because people are doing it anyway. I'm saying, okay, okay, okay. If you really are going to insist on doing that, I'm not here to judge you, but I'm not saying you're not. I just... Just make dollars as well, lots of it. More than the protesting. Because mm. there we have a text first. I mean, I, I mean, just so we're clear, I don't agree with protesting and I tell you not to go. But... I said, if you're not going to listen to me, if you're not going to listen to me, and you're going to take that anyway, and you're going to look past all of the sins that happen in protesting, bearing in mind that we are in these situations because of our distance from Allah and his deen, right? But there's going to be sins in protesting. You'll be sitting next to a guy who's going to go and penetrate and sodomize another guy tonight. 
and you're gonna you're gonna expect Allah to give you victory because you're standing next to a guy who's gonna literally insert his genitals into another man's back passage. Does that make sense? And these are the guys who have called for if, if you feel if you feel like that's where victory is gonna come from. Well, I okay, I'm not even here to debate you on that. Let's talk about the exclusive. But I'm saying at least this dua thing, mm -hmm. like I'm saying, the Prophet said, the one who stays from one salah to another salah. Waiting from one side to another side. Dalikum ribat, dalikum ribat, dalikum ribat. That is ribat. Ribat is the mujahideen who stand on the on the borders of the Muslims yeah. defending them. I said we can't even stand from one salah to another salah. Stand from one salah to another salah making dua. Just wait in the message from one side to another side. The Prophet said, Allah inform you of your greatest actions. They're the most purest before your king. And they are they, they are what the highest in terms of lifting your ranks. Khairun is better than you meeting the enemy in battlefield, him striking your neck, you striking his neck. The Sahaba said, Bala what is this action? That's better than me beating the enemy, him striking me, me striking him. What's better than shahada and, and jihad? The Prophet said, so I'm saying, and by the way, I mentioned the ayah, Surah Al-Anfal, Allah said for the Mujahideen, وَذْكُرُوا اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْيَمْ Do dhikr on the battlefield so you can be successful. Because if you're on the battlefield and you're not doing dhikr, you will, you're, you're depriving yourself of, of that which Allah has told you will bring you success. So my point is, do adhkar, okay? Do dua, beg Allah. I'm saying fix your personal situation with your Lord. Then raise your hand and say, Allah give us tawfiq. Ya Allah, liberate our brothers and sisters. Ya Allah, give us the ability to help them, to aid them. Does that make sense? I'm saying, at the very least, if we're not going to take that which has been legislated, there's ayat for it. Promise from Allah. If you make dua to me, I will respond. Promise, 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 akhi. Promise from Allah. That if you make dua to me, if you make tawbah, I will rectify your affairs. If we're not going to do that, at the very least, at the very least, I'm saying, well, I, I, then we're part of the problem. Mm -hmm. We're part of the problem. My last question to you, to wrap up the podcast, mm -hmm. and it's absolutely related to the point you've just made. Sure. Uh, some would ask, many may posit that, look, why is there this insistence mm -hmm. with those who come from a particular leaning? Mm -hmm. um, we spoke about this before the podcast. Um, those who subscribe or may identify from to be from the Salafi spectrum, mm -hmm. the Salafi manhaj. Why is there this disdain and lack of husnadhan and harshness towards the Muslims in terms of whatever's happening in the, in the ummah, the calamities, the, the, the oppression, the occupation, the, just the madness that we've experienced collectively mm -hmm. for the last 100, 150 years, the bloodshed, all of it. Why does it always come back to this... Blame, blaming the Muslims, blaming the laity, blame uh, disproportionately, focusing on mine and yours uh, shortcomings, as opposed to looking at who has more responsibility to change the situation, which is also has textual premise. When the ulama of Ahl Sunnah, irrespective of what leaning they came from, they spoke about the responsibility that bears on the neck of Hukam. Mm -hmm. There's actually, we know from the text that there's specific punishments and elevation of just rulers and unjust rulers mm -hmm. and so forth and stuff like this. One of the shades on the Day of Judgment will be the one who's a just ruler. Correct. Right? So what I'm saying is, and I'm going to wrap up with this, my last question to you. Why is what appears to be disdain, blame on the Ummah, on the Muslims when it comes to brothers who come from this particular leaning because they could ask uh, Imran said to us that if you can't do jihad at, um, uh, um, at daf 
It's not differentiated the difference between us and those guys. I know there's some differences, but the generally major differences. Yeah, major difference. I don't see them man to be on the sunnah. I, if someone asks me, do, you, do these people follow the salaf? I tell you, no, they don't follow the salaf. Does that make sense? Even though some might differ with me on that, put that to the side. There's differences. We deal with things differently. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I was baffled. I was baffled. I didn't know how they could defend it when they were encouraging people to uprise against uh, what happened in Libya not yes. too long ago yeah. was it General Haftar was yes, Haftar. like I said I'm not into politics I don't know the full but yes. details but what I know is that they were calling in support of the uprising and the rebellion when we know that in Ahl that the positions as soon as you, 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 you don't what you don't uprise you don't yeah, yeah. do khuruj against yeah. the so in my mind I, I was baffed it does make a person wonder what, like who and they call for an armed uprising as well yeah. I'm saying like, my, my, like so, weapons so people so the begs the question who really are you in support of? Like, what really is your agenda? Like, what's the hidden hand that's really behind you pushing you? Does that make sense? And the way they deal with things is different to how we deal with things. Because the question that you ask about the husband, not nah, well, all of the ulama, my ulama, ulama of the sunnah, I've only ever seen husband from them. Alhamdulillah. I'm saying, I'm saying, we we've only ever heard like like someone dropped a comment on this video I released a couple of days ago about the issue of Palestine, but the same. When I look at Palestine, it's clean shaved. I see women that are not dressed properly. They need to turn back to Allah. And I rebuked the brother in the comments. And I made a video uh, mentioned that. I said, when I look at those brothers and sisters there, number one, actually, we hope Allah sets them martyrs. We, we, we can't say for certain of anyone course, is a martyr. That's our aqidah, right? Yeah. But we hope that Allah sets them martyrs. Actually, if someone gets taken as a martyr, bro, that's, that's our honor. There's something you're doing right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And they don't have access to the exact same type of Islamic knowledge and scholarship because they've been in this cage this concentration camp, but they don't necessarily have access to durus and dorat and books the way, mm. the way that other people in other countries might have. So to judge them by the same standards makes no sense. And I've seen more people, videos of more people dying with la ilaha illallah on their tongue than in my entire life. Absolutely. In just a short amount of time. And people are dying daily. But you don't hear, it's, it's rare someone dies on la ilaha illallah. I saw a kid, a little boy, who's probably eight years old telling his sister Say who's shahada, dying shahada, saying shahada yeah. and she's saying and saying tamam tamam like he's not he, his concern is die upon to read so there's deficiencies no doubt amongst people 
people can always be better, but I am seeing Tawheed from those people, which is what the fundamental essence of our deen is from. Absolutely. I Every time you a video comes, look, they bombed my neighborhood, Hasbunallah. Oh, um, yeah. That's Tawheed, as far as I'm concerned. So our ulama don't say this to us. But now let me come to the next part of the question, which I think is the final part, which is that, okay, cool. Allah's not unjust. And I already told you that what's happened to the Palestinian brothers, as I, said, I don't personally, and I've also done it my Lord, I don't believe he's punishing them. I believe Allah is always honoring, honoring them as martyrs. Because Allah is always, what did he say? He said, فَالَّذِينَ هَاجَرُوا وَأُخْرِجُوا Allah said the ones who were taken out of the houses, who were killed, who were harmed for my sake, Allah says, I'm certainly going to give them paradise. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. So when I look at them, I don't see that as punishment. I don't see that as humiliation on them. I see that Allah is honoring them. But now let's bring the question back to us. I see the humiliation on us. Does that make sense? Now the question is, if humiliation is taking place, Allah is not going to humiliate people unless they deserve it. And I am not here to blame people. When I go home, bro, I have to ask myself, bro, what did you do today that you could have done better? Does that make sense? That could have been an aid to the Muslims, to the, to, to, to the, to the Ummah. What, what could you have done? Does that make sense? Which is why I'm not busy myself beefing you right now, and I'm sitting here on this podcast. I'm saying, bro, let's let's let's, let's get let's get the bigger uh, uh, problem out of the way. Point being, act is that Allah told us in the Quran that this is because of you. Allah told us. Allah told us. Allah said, "Zahar al fasad." He just look at the ayah. Fil barri wal bahar bima kasabat aydin nas. The corruption spread in the land because of your hands. Your hands did, yeah. I don't know where's the discussion then. I'm not having, uh, f f uh, on, in terms of application, the only person I'm gonna apply this on is me. I can't sit here and apply this on you. So that's, uh, I think that was an important clarification yes. because there's times where, when such, because no one rejects that verse yeah. and, and no one denies that that's absolutely the case. But when you then impose that on an entire nation or an entire people, especially when they've been besieged and killed, which we have yeah. heard from some pockets, no, but I never, uh, as in, as in, as in, what are you talking about? No, not you. Like, no, yeah, like, like mm. brother, there's an old video, mm. an old video of Abdul Hakim Murad, Timothy Winters. Old mm. video. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if he's changed his position or not. Where he's saying, yeah, um, Cambridge Central Mosque. Mm. Uh, he, he was saying that the Palestinians are being punished for their betrayal of the Ottomans. Okay. So, 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 so he's saying it was, it was Khiana and I'm a generation. Not, I'm not even saying the Palestinians are being betrayed. I'm, yeah. saying, I'm, saying we, I'm saying we. So I'm glad that you said that you start with yourself I'll, I'll first. But, that, but, but that's everything we have to. Otherwise there's sickness in your heart. When you, have one, when you point one finger at someone else, there's two three pointing back. But, but, but what, what, I, what, I, what I can also say mm. is that we as an Ummah, we as an Ummah know where we're supposed to be. We as an Ummah have not entirely, because there's always khair in the Ummah, but we as an Ummah have fallen short. We as an Ummah have disobeyed our Lord. We as an Ummah have let shirk and bid'ah run rampant in terms of application, in terms of holding to account. But man can only hold myself to account. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But the rhetoric that I don't like is downplaying this issue of we have to turn back to our Lord. Actually, the Prophet said, Allah won't uplift humiliation from you till you come back to your deen. I said, what benefit is there me talking about the rulers? Actually, the Prophet said, look, the Prophet already told you that a time will come, you will have rulers. They will have hearts, the hearts of devils. In human bodies. We were already told. We were already told. So now, now can we leave that now? 
But um, he, if, if the ruler's not listening, and he doesn't want to do whatever, he doesn't want to send his army out. Can, can, like, complicit in the oppression as well. I'm saying whatever, I've already said his heart's a heart of a devil, so I don't have to even give examples. Mm -hmm. You, they, if, if there is one that fits this description, I'm saying now, brother, can we leave the ruler now? Can we just talk about what me and you can Fine, do? Okay. My, my point is, can we talk about what me and you can do? Because he's not listening to me. I would love to say, brother, you know, Sheikh Abdul Zakhir Badr is a story that's probably not even public, but the, the ruler of one of the Muslim countries came to his house, and um, he came to his house because the Sheikh is actually very famous, popular in the Muslim world. He goes to Indonesia. I think a hundred thousand people. I was told, I verified, but I was told by a brother who's very trusted, a hundred thousand people one time turned up to one of his lectures. So he said, "I want to come meet the Sheikh at his house in Medina." And the brother who was very close to the Sheikh at the time, he told his story to one of my teachers. who told me. He said, when he came to the Sheikh, Sheikh said to him, listen, he said, I have no desire for that which is in your hand. I just want to tell you, fear Allah, and fear Allah with regards to your people. I said, he could do that. He had a ruler in front of him. He was able to, he spoke to him. He does his wajib. Does that make sense? I'm saying this rule does not listen to me. I don't have a way to communicate with him. We've already seen millions of people come to the streets in their own countries. They have not listened. I'm saying if you want to take, for example, certain Muslim countries, I won't mention names just to be fair, but certain Muslim countries where the rulers are attending the protests and the rallies, but still nothing's happened. So, absolutely. They're involved in the protests and they're, they're actually attending. They're like, you know what? I'm giving you a speech at the protest. You're still not sending an army. Does that make sense? So I... Can we now just turn away from that and hold ourselves to account? Because when they lost the battle of Uhud, Sahaba, Allah said, they said, uh, 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 Sorry, they said, Where did this, how did this happen to us? Allah said, Qul huwa min Allah said, it was from yourself. Mm -hmm. You did this to yourself. Does that make sense? And the moment Sahaba made Tawbah and they came back, Allah said, we getting victory. Imran. It was an absolute pleasure having Christ you on the video. Brothers and sisters, I hope you all enjoyed this podcast and benefited from the conversation that we just had. Uh, do remember to subscribe to the Five Pillars YouTube channel and that you can find this episode on all three seasons and all the major audio platforms. And until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.